Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing. Nothing but pure sports. This is the JP Show. JP, it is so good to hear you back on the air. Stand by. Now, here's JP. All right, welcome into a Thursday edition of the JP Peterson Show. We thank you so much for joining us here today. I kind of feel like uh, Willis Reed here today, man. I mean, it's a miracle I'm doing this show right now. It's a freaking miracle I am doing this show right now. I mean, I'm I'm probably legally concussed right now. I think I'm I think I have a concussion. Well, you've been losing brain cells at like a an alarming rate here lately. So why don't you go ahead and tell everybody how you just lost a few more here? Can you see this shelf behind me here, folks, with the beautiful Buccaneers poster? Um, so I was, we were putting up our wonderful new banner, by the way. Boy, that's, boy, that is framed up perfectly. Look at that. Perfectly in my shot. I did that on purpose. And so I was, you know, grabbing the banner and unfurling the banner, and I picked my head up in a rapid fashion and nailed the corner of that bracket that's holding up, that metal bracket that's holding up that shelf. You could, I don't want to show and gross anybody out, but there's, there's a laceration on my head, and I, I could be concussed, speaking yeah. to you at this. So nothing I say today should you take. Holds any weight. Holds any weight whatsoever. I mean, I am. I, am, it's I should a, not be playing today. And it's a shame because. If I were an NBA player, I'd be out a month. <laughs> <laughs> I think you sounded a little short there, to be honest. <laughs> if I were Zion Williamson, oh, I wouldn't feel myself for quite some time. <laughs> Unfortunately, too, you usually wear a hat on show days. Yeah, and this is one of the few days you're not wearing yeah, a hat. I'm dressed up, and, and it got you. TV today. And it got you in a part of your head there where you got a lot of skin. Unfortunately. There's not a whole lot of padding. <laughs> no. Not a whole lot of padding. That spot, yeah, yeah. There's not a whole lot of. If nice padded hat could have saved my saved me from probably getting concussed and the large laceration that I have on my head, but probably be the best show I've ever done. <laughs> Yes, uh, so away we go here uh, on a Thursday. And, um, you know, we're going to get into the Rays' win last night over uh, Toronto, a bounce-back win. And we're going to debate whether Shane McClanahan should have come out of the game last night. i got to lift up the headset because if I put it really hard, then it's hitting right on the spot that I was concussed and I might be might see blood, like, running down my face here soon. Um <laughs> Jordan G says one of your favorite hats would have been blood soaked. Yeah, normally when you, yeah, as Jordan would know, being a paramedic, that you know when you hit any, if you get blood coming out any part of your head, it usually streams because there's so much blood going on up there, especially in that brain. Uh, <laughs> so it can't be that bad. But I don't know. I'm feeling a little woozy. I'm feeling a little woozy. And now this thing is like, yeah, it's definitely hitting right on top of it. Oh, we'll figure it out. Um, Anyway, so Shane McClanahan was great last night. 81 pitches. 82. 82 pitches through seven innings. 11, 11, 11. For the first five innings, he had 11 pitches and almost did it in the, in the six as well. Yeah. I mean, it was as efficient as you could possibly pitch. And they also showed the graphic last night that he, you know, first, first through the order, it's like a 208 batting average. Second time through, it's like 260. And then third time through, it goes back down to 202. So his third time through the order, he actually gets better statistically which is interesting. Um, so 
you you ask the question, especially with a bullpen that hasn't been necessarily great lately, to be kind, to be kind, why are you not sending McClanahan out there? He's at 82 pitches. He will likely finish this game you know, right around the 100 pitch mark, maybe less. Um, you know, what, what are we doing here? And, you know, I'm, I'm start going through the, you know, and then, of course, you know, Adam comes on and gives up two runs right away. They get the, uh, the winning run to the plate eventually, or the go-ahead run to the plate. And you're just like, what are we doing? They, they weren't getting close to Shane McClanahan. Mm-hmm. He didn't walk anybody, had seven strikeouts, just allowed the one run to one of the better hitting teams. He, he had his A game. This is, you know, it's not obviously the import of a World Series game, but it looks like a lot, whole lot like Blake Snell all over again. And, you know, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, you know, when Smoltzy comes on the show and talks about how Mazzoni used to build their arms up. And, you know, and you could make the argument that so much of what the Rays do wrong is that they baby their pitchers. They baby their starting pitchers. And so they, they're used so little, they throw so little, they can never build up arm strength good enough to get a complete game. Now, the other side of the coin is the complete game is not the object here. Winning a World Series is the goal. And does taking him out after seven innings further that goal? Arguably, yes, because what did we see from Shane last year? He ran out of gas. They even had to shut him down for a little bit. So every inning you can save here is something that will work out but theoretically. But that's not entirely true. You could have that could there could have been a you know an impingement that he injured himself later in the season where that caused them to to show shut him down right mm-hmm. and if you're pitching if you're building up arm strength maybe you don't get those impingements so there, it's it's such a double sided coin really and you could argue both sides um, you could look at, at past history and say yeah the guys that threw a lot of innings those Atlanta Braves pitchers they they never got hurt they never got hurt. And you could say they didn't throw with the velocity. Well, you know, Smoltz threw high 80, high 90s. Um, now, certainly Glavin didn't, and certainly Maddox didn't. Um, but, you know, there were some guys that, that, that did. So, I don't know. It, 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 it's hard to figure. Um, you know, you can't look at the Rays and say, well, whatever they're doing, they're doing it right. From an injury standpoint, no. But from an overall effectiveness, look at the numbers. Even with all the injuries, the the nine Tommy Johns that they've had, I think, since 2016, they're still probably, I don't know the overall numbers, but they're among the top three pitching staffs each and every year. So the results are there. The injuries are horrific, but the results are there. Are they just burning out their these guys' arms and just using them up and then going and getting more? Yeah, maybe that's the way they're playing it, but whatever, it's working. May not be the best for that particular individual at the time, but they don't know it. They don't care, probably, right? They're playing baseball. They're getting paid. You want me to go out there and pitch, Skip? I'll go out there and pitch. But I don't know. How do you see it? There's so many layers to this argument. Like, in the moment when it happened, I'm, like, screaming at my TV, like, what what are we doing here? Like, he's got 82 pitches through seven. He's on cruise control, I'd argue, right? He made, what, two mistakes the entire game there, and it was really quick, like the fourth inning, I think. Other than that, he was fantastic. In fact, I would argue last night was the most complete performance I think he's had this season. And I think he even kind of said that after the game. I would agree. And where are we at where look at the season he's had. And he says yesterday, yeah, I'm trending in the right direction. (laughs) He's like one of the Cy Young favorites right now. He's a perfectionist. 
and I think he had it last night. Um, and I saw that game, and I said, okay, it's 5-1. to one. I don't think 5-1 to one is a, an insurmountable lead, no. especially against a Blue Jay lineup that at any moment could rise up. He scored 20 runs the night before. <clears throat> yeah, well... <laughs> Ten of them I kind of right. I, I discredit just a little bit. They can mash. But they can mash. We know that. They can mash. And I feel like I've said this, too, like in the first game, I never feel like when we play these AL East teams that the game is over. I never feel like anything. A good example last night is uh, Baltimore and New York. Baltimore, Balt, or New York had a 5-1 lead over the Yankees going into the seventh inning. What happened? The Orioles scored eight runs. That's right. And won the game. Yeah. So anything can really happen. And then the context of the situation, you go, okay, well, they brought Adam in. He's our be- he hasn't been great Not over the last two, three weeks. And I'd argue all year long, he hasn't been nearly as effective as he was last year. Mm-hmm. And we saw that again last night, which I would say was probably his worst performance of the season. I, I mean, this one and the, probably the Met performance, the where Mets, it, yeah, the Mets where it was 5-2. to two. Yeah. But, So that was kind of the context of the situation there. And I'm seeing the Blue Jays just kind of start mashing off of him. And then I see Kevin Kelly come out, and I'm saying to myself, is this where we're at right now? Like, no offense to Kevin Kelly, but after my best reliever, quote-unquote, gets taken out of the game, it's 5-3, here comes Vlad Guerrero to the plate. Right. I counter. I have to counter with Kevin Kelly. Now, give him credit. He got the ground ball. Did the job. He did the job. If you run that simulation ten times, how often is he going to get that ground ball in that moment? to that exact spot where he made it easy to make a double play, mind you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have to kind of think about all this stuff. And then the flip side of the argument is, like you said, you're not trying to win games in May. You've got to win them, right, to get to October. But you want to win in October and hopefully even November, right? Mm-hmm. And the Rays, I mean, there's no Springs right now. There's no Rasmussen. Glasnow is coming back this weekend. There's no Shane Baz. That's four-fifths of your rotation that you would have likely would have had if those guys were healthy, right? Right. And we've already talked about it. McClanahan's velocity had been down in recent starts. Maybe he's trying to, like, ease up a little bit so he doesn't get hurt. Burned out. Or burned out, right? So it's so layered, it's hard to say what the right decision is. But I know this organization, and Kevin Cash in particular, is always going to err on the side of caution. It's frustrating in the moment because Shane McClanahan, I think, could have gone out there and gave you one more inning. He could have gave you 12 to 15 more pitches. And and you might say, what would have hurt, right? Yeah. And I see other pitchers around the league throwing complete games all the time. An example I'll use today is, is Nathan Yavaldi in Texas. But I go, who's his manager? It's Bruce Bochy, mm-hmm. who's an old school old as it school, comes. He's right? like 70 years old, I think, right? Yeah. Of course he's going to have that philosophy of let my horse go out there and, you know, I don't care what he let – me, let, me, let him ride out eight or nine innings. Right. The Rays are not going to do that to their pitchers. So – I don't know Why if not? there's a I don't know if there's a right answer to what they did last night. Right. To be honest, Bochy's been pretty successful as a manager. He has. You know. He has, but things have changed, and yeah, things have you know, changed dramatically. They've changed a lot, and also for a lot of people that go, okay, well, you know, forty, fifty years ago, guys were throwing complete games like all the time. Yeah. But it's it was not expected. It was expected, but they weren't throwing with the same torque and the high velocity rates that these guys are now. Probably didn't have the same wear or tear that these guys have on they, their arms. They didn't grow up playing travel ball. Exactly. Where they played 24-7, Exactly. It's a, it's a multi-layer discussion that goes into what we're seeing right now. Yeah, these guys, I don't know what the number is, but I've heard somebody mention that they have, you know, these young players, when they come up, have probably pitched five to 10,000 pitches more than, you know, 
John Smoltz did when he was growing up playing basketball, starring as a basketball player and playing golf and all these other yeah. sports and playing baseball for, you know, at most six months a year. The cult, and the culture's differently right. when it comes to American baseball, too. You could even go down this route. Compare American baseball to baseball in other countries. And I actually watched a video on this last night to have context on it. In Japan, they train so much that the kids there don't have any time necessarily to even have, like, fun time. It's like three, four years old. You can throw a baseball. Guess what? You're doing it now for the rest of your for life. For the rest. And if you look at the, the the pitchers in Japan, some of them throw like 200 pitches like a game. Do they really? Yeah, they just let them. They just let them go. Are you serious? Yeah, of course, they just let them go. So it, they've they've got all these extra pitches on their arm from when they were young, and they're still throwing 200 pitches a game. Some of them, yeah. No. Some of them. I mean, look at the the Roki Sasaki kid yeah. that we saw in the WBC. He's 21 years old. There's no people in Japan are not concerned that he's going to throw his arm out or anything. They just let him go because it's just a different culture. And look at what how are they doing differently in Japan. So, so they're building up their. What sounds to me like you're saying they're building up their arm strength from a from a young age. They throw like like they. Do I, they have the Tommy Johns that we have over here. Uh, I'm not. I'm not really sure on that. that yeah. Like I just like Daisuke Matsuzaka. They said like he would throw like 200 pitches every single day. Even when he wasn't pitching, he would still throw every single day, and that's well, why that's the, bra- that's the that's old Braves model. Had, that's the Leo Mazzoni model. Yeah, but in this, the way American baseball is now, it's not really that culture. You saw how we babied the U.S. pitchers in the uh, oh my god in the WBC, where yeah. you have teams saying, "Hey, get them out of there!" Right? Well, that, that, and that's more money involved. You yeah, know? but it's this. What I'm saying, there's so many like different kind of points to this discussion than like one singular thing to why you see so many examples of this going on right now. And analytics tell you, regardless of the whole third time to the lineup, even though he's been successful with it, the analytics typically will tell you, don't allow the pitcher to do it. And it, it, Correct me if I'm wrong, and I know recently um, the, the, guy, the guy that pitched for the Mets the other night, he was throwing upper 90s, was he not? Sega? Sega, uh, yeah. Sega. So, but typically, Japanese pitchers have been more of a fin- more finesse pitchers than power pitchers, mm-hmm. right? So, are they not throwing as hard? So they're not max velocity guys, and that's this is why those guys throw Shane's, really, those guys Shane's throw a max hard. velocity guy, max uh, velocity and max effort guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a max effort guy, and you know, I don't recall back in the day those uh, the, the pitchers pitching that way. It was more, you know, I'll, I'll give it 80, you know, I'll keep it at 85%, 90% so I can keep my arm fresh. And when I got to hump it up, I'll hump it up. But not, you don't consistently, um, you know, throw six fastballs, you know, in an inning over 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, it's so multi layered. And I, I don't know, I, I don't know if what we're doing is correct. I tend to think that, you know, I, I want to dig in a little bit more on this Japanese thing. And I wonder what what's going on in the Korean leagues as well. But I, I tend to think that we baby our pitchers too much. I think we don't – my gut feeling says that we don't build up their arm strength enough because we're afraid to hurt them because of the investment involved. I get that. But I'm, I'm wondering if we're – you know, if it's just – it's counterintuitive because history suggests it is. That the more you work, the more you build up the arm strength, the less you have. And, and Jason Romano brought this up the other day. It's like when he was coming up in the, in the 90s, right, 90s, early aughts, you know, most of the injuries were labrums, or even when he was playing early. And, and I remember this as well. And you know, through the '80s and the '90s, it was always the rotator cuff. The rotator cuff was the was the injury. It was never the elbow. And now it's it's gone to the elbow. But I think that's because of more of the the, the to- spin rates and the torque that guys are trying to get. We kind of explained that the other day. How it you know when you when you 
flip it like this instead of pronating your arm, everything is working in conflict. Your muscle and your shoulders are all working in conflict, and that kind of uh, creates the spin, whereas if you pronate, it's, it's less. It doesn't, doesn't do, doesn't hurt your arm at all. Um, it's interesting, you know, softball pitchers, they pitch underhand, you mm-hmm. know, and they can throw as many pitches as, as they, they can. They pitch and multiple they do. days in a row. And yeah. they do, you know. Shout out uh, Sandercock at FSU with that perfect game she threw the other day. And they're playing Georgia tonight, 7 o'clock. I'll be watching the, the Lady Knowles play. Oops, the women's softball team do their thing. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know the answer. All I, all I know is I want Shane McClanahan to be able to jump the bump uh, in the postseason. Yeah, and I want him to be at his best. And the Rays feel like what they what they do with their pitching staff gives them the best chance for that. Yeah, and there's no question that those games, those starts in October, are way more important than two innings in May. Yeah, when, especially when you have and a bullpen I, lined up way, to, to to do their and, job. And That's last their night, job. Last night, I wasn't even honestly saying like, "Oh, he has to go complete game right here." I wasn't even really thinking that. I was more. It just felt weird to take him out. It did, but yeah. I was more just thinking, "Okay, let's he he can get one more inning. You can get one more inning out of him, right?" I thought, I thought Toronto had no answer for him. Give him 12 to 15 more pitches. Let's get one inning at him. Let's not put any more wear and tear on this bullpen that we need to. Because you ended up using four pitchers yesterday where you probably could have made it out with only using two. Right. Right? Right. And what has also been an Achilles heel for this team uh, during their runs? Burnout of the bullpen. Burnout and, of and the, the bullpen. bullpen is the you, your bullpen, you use this strategy. It's almost like what the Lightning used to do, Right. We're going to win the regular season. We're going to win 62 games. And we're going to, we're, you know, and it's like you get to the playoffs and, oh, crap, it's a totally different game. We, these small, fast guys that have been scoring all year long don't hold up in a seven-game series against the Washington Capitals. Oh, crap, we got to do something different. Mm-hmm. And they tweak and they, you know, they, they built a team that could win, get you in the playoffs and be ready for, and that's what Florida has done. Oh, by the way, uh, shout-out to the Panthers. Never thought I'd say that. Um, so – is this the issue here? Is this the issue here? We're just we're not we're not building up these kids and making them strong enough. I don't I don't know. It's it, it's weird. It's a weird situation. So um, let's get to some of the comments here because you guys are chiming in uh, wonderfully here today. Uh, Jordan, what is this from Jordan? You'd look like you bladed in a, in a WWE match if I oh yeah if I if I really got got hit in the head. Absolutely. I was gonna say you look like you're ready for anarchy in the arena this Sunday. What is anarchy in the arena? <laughs> I won't thing. I won't I won't bore you to death with what's going on this weekend in wrestling. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yes, if not for a key double play, uh, could have been a loss. Yeah, the getting Chapman to hit into the double play. Um, nice play by. Um, is that Wander? It was Walls. Walls, yeah, nice play by Walls on that one. Get the short hop. That was a tough play because that ball was smoked yeah. right up the middle, and it kind of chopped but smoked. It had a ton of spin on it. He charges it and gets that short hop, steps on second. That was a you know, make, people think that's a routine play. It is anything but. He he, that that was so well played, and he made it look so freaking easy. Um, and that was that was such a key to the game. I'd say to most infielders, when I saw that ball. I was like, oh, off the bat, I'm like, oh, shiz. First of all, I thought it might be going through the middle because he hit it so hard. I did too. And yeah. second, and then when I saw the high bounce, I'm like, oh, this is trouble. This is just this has boot written all over it. And he just scooped it. And you know, if he wait, if he sits back and waits on that ball, that thing hits with spin. He's got no chance, 
no freaking chance. You've got to short hop that, and that was that was an underrated play. Well, it pays to have an elite defender there. Hello, that can that can play a Hello. elite defense at three different positions. Yeah. Even when I lean back and I get close to this thing, I get the heebie-jeebies. Oh my god, that's weird, isn't it? I went, oh wait, don't don't lean back. We're too gonna far. have to just. I'm not like, even close. We're to it. We're just gonna have to unscrew that little that I'm little bracket there. Not close to it, but I just feel after today violated by it. God. And it makes me wonder: Does Brandon Lau make that play? No, no, no. I don't think so. So that I mean, that, that's a that's an underrated play. You guys agree? If you've played baseball, if you played any infield in your life, you know that that is a tough. I tough mean, play. if I see that, if I see that in softball later, weather permitting, because I, I play second charge base, it. I play second base in softball. I don't want to see that one coming at me. When my coach used to tell me, when you see a chopper, charge. Whenever you know, if that ball elevates at all, don't try to read the hop. Just. You, do everything you can to get that short hop. Take the because when you do that, you take the guessing game out of it. Once yeah. that thing hits, it could especially on that turf. Who freaking knows where that ball is going? And if it hits the even if it hits the clay, same thing because the stuff that's underneath that, you have no chance. You have no idea where that ball is going to go, and you're not probably not going to be able to turn a double play. So yeah, that was huge. Uh, Jordan says, almost like our starters have a relief pitcher mentality, so in turn they throw their arms out, causing injury rather than. Um, self-conserving. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and that's that's what I think you're talking about is the culture today. The culture is, you know, if you're if you're a, a max effort guy, go out there and blow it out for five or six innings because we're going to bring in the bullpen after that. Whereas if you know you got to go nine, if, the, if that's part of your team's culture, you're going to approach the start differently. Yeah, I, so, I would just I would just say the days of, and this is not, a, we're not even going that far back. I'm talking like nine years here. We're not going to see a Madison Bumgarner moment, in my opinion, probably ever again. No. Where he no. became a folk hero no. for what he did in the 2014 no. postseason. I don't think we're going to see that again. Didn't he hit like three home runs, too, in that no, World Series? No, like no. two home runs or something? No, no. I think he did. No, he did not. I want to go back and look that up. No, or he did in the not. I know he pitched like four times in that series, yeah. though, yeah, be, yeah. and was a beast. Uh, and even like like two years prior to that, every and I saw people bringing it up yesterday, like James Shields had 12 complete games in 2012 and nothing It's not. And that was only 11 years ago. We're I not talking that. 1907. I, I understand you know? that, but that's, it's changed that much even in a decade. Has it? It has, yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to, I think Shields was 93, 94, right? Not high nineties, certainly not high. No, 90s. he was mid nineties. Yeah, low, maybe low nineties. He probably yeah, he was like a bulldog. But again, look at who. A lot of it too is who your manager is and how your front office yeah. is run. That was Joe Madden. You think Joe Madden was ever looking at his little analytics sheet? He was. Joe, people forget Joe was. You know, Joe, Joe was like the the father, the grandfather of analytics. He was the first one to bring a computer into a dugout, and people called him crazy, and he took. A lot of abuse for it, but in those situations, do you really think he was overanalyzing things? No, but that's, or did he that's, go that's, based that was on the, yeah, exactly. That was the brilliance of Joe Madden, and that's what he talks about now. Is that when in Anaheim they wanted him to go ninety nine percent analytics, and then maybe once in a while use your managing acumen, and he's like, no, it yeah, needs but, to be fifty fifty. Yeah, but it's hard to argue with the success of the teams that embrace analytics nowadays. You look at the teams that have won the World Series in the last five six years. There's a common theme there. Well, I don't think, you know, it's everybody embraces it. I don't think and you can't ignore analytics. But there's it's all about the manager, okay? The relationship he has with his players. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of this and we're going to get really kind of in the ether here. It's kind of like the world we live in right now. How do you mesh technology with being a human being, right? How do you mesh all uh, AI 
with the creativity of a human being and the things that live in here that cannot live in there. So I point to my computer. You know, baseball is kind of a microcosm of that. How and how we deal with that as a species is going to determine our survivability, believe it or not. We're going through that right now. And trust me, folks, we're going to find out in the next probably short while how dependent on this technology we are to live our lives because there's going to be disruptions and how, and we have to and i've been telling myself i got to figure out like what happens if the lights go out for a while but back to this discussion how do we baseball how do we man you got to manage human beings these are these are human beings that have to play 162 games a year plus postseason okay you can't just go by a book in a, where does the book that says okay um his daughter's been sick for three weeks in the hospital um, and you know, where's my analytic sheet that factors that in? Okay. Um, he had a bad outing the night before it went out and got hammered and I know he's hung over today. How am I working that <laughs> into, my, into my analytics? There was a fight in the, uh, in the parking lot between two of my star players. Uh, what, what page is that on? You know, Kevin Cash, you know, where, where do I go for that? You can't, it's not, AI can't do that for you folks. Sorry. Can't. And this is where baseball, and I think our, our human condition is right now. How, where, where's the, where is the, 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 the sweet spot? And I think Joe Madden found it when he was managing the Rays. I think Kevin Cash has figured it out as well. And I think they've allowed him to be a human being more often than the, probably they did early on in his managerial. And that's, and that's fair, right? You start off with the analytics, and as you get your feet, and as you learn how to manage the ball club, uh, and, and personalities and all this and all this stuff comes into play. And last night was one of those nights where did we did we just look at the analytics book? And, and by the way, we don't have that information that Kevin Cash has, right? You know, may, you know, was there anything going on with Shane? Um, you know, is, was there is there a little tweak in the groin? Is there a little? We don't know any of that stuff, right? And then and they're not necessarily going to make it public unless they have to. So we're here like, oh, it's gnashing teeth. If we knew he had a little groin problem and he came out, none of us would, would well, have a problem with Well, it. the other argument you have, to, you have to consider as well, even though I think 5-1 to one is not insurmountable, I think most managers will tell you, okay, 5-1, five and 5-1, one, five and one, five to one going to the eighth inning, we, pr- we feel pretty comfortable about this game. Right. Especially this team, which yeah. is the best in baseball, right? If you can't trust anybody to get six outs with a five to one lead, right? Then we got bigger problems to to analyze here. Right. And that's their role. That's why they're on this team. Exactly. And if you can't trust them in May, how are you going to trust them in September and October when the games become much more meaningful? Right? Mm-hmm. So I and, and Kevin Cash, this is what we say all the time. He's the best manager in baseball. Why? Because now he doesn't have blind faith necessarily but he has a lot of trust in his guys. He said it even last night. Like he was asked about Jason Adam, and he kind of just shook it off and said it was just a bad night for him. Yeah. And it happens. You're gonna. There's 162 of these things. Yeah. And Jason Adam's gonna see the field for probably like 50 or 60 of them. He's not gonna be dominant in every single outing. Kevin Cash understands that. He doesn't overreact when he sees a bad outing exactly. from one of his guys that has gotten him to the dance, and he puts that trust in baseball. Them. That's why he's the best manager in the game. So. I know it sounds like maybe today we're talking from both sides of our mouth here. Which we are. We are. We and are. I'll, and we admit and I'll, be the, I'll be the first <laughs> one admit to admit it. it. But I'm just trying to cover every base right, right. now right. because you could think like you could be the staunch guy and go, no, I don't care. He had 82 pitches. He needs to stay in the game. 
that's fine. You can think that way, but there's so many other things that come into it, and context matters in this situation. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and by the way, it's not—it's no big deal second guessing Kevin Cash, and he doesn't care. It's part of baseball. He understands that, and he understands that he's going to make bad decisions. You think he—you know—still thinks the Blake Snell thing was was a good idea? No, probably, and I, I feel, probably not. I feel bad for him because you know I don't know if I feel bad for him because it was his doing, right. but. He's all every time there's a decision like this, everybody's going to run to that. And I don't think the two are We're really such assholes. and I don't I'm think I'm sorry Kevin. Just, I don't think the two situations are anywhere in the near ballpark. Oh, no, we're we're no, talking no. World Series here. Right. Totally right? You're back against the wall and then we're talking a game in May. But that is just like the ultimate AI, you know, analytics versus human being moment. Yeah. And I think we would all argue that he went analytics and he should have gone heart right but when do you do that i you don't know how many how about about all the other times where he went analytics and it worked out no you know it's just it's it's and that's part of the human experience so here's what we know though if you're one of those people that's upset that we can't listen if you're a Rays fan just i'm sure you're used to it by now you're not going to see a complete game probably ever again as long as kevin cash is the manager it's just not going to happen and stop holding your breath for it. And by the way, that's Nick, not. And again, that's not. Stop. What, 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 you're the one in a complete game. We're never going to see a complete game. Like, I'm just you're right. I'm, I'm not bitching about it. I'm just saying it's not the ultimate goal. It's not. When I look at it's a player, not. when I look at a player's baseball card, and maybe this is just the new age. I don't ever go to the complete game section of no. someone's baseball card and go, "Oh, he had zero. Com- he had zero complete games." I don't really not as, not as good as we thought he I was. I don't. I don't give a rip about those things. Because I mean, honestly, if, if if he does that in you know 1978 or 85 or 96, and the manager pulls him out of the game, that manager is getting absolutely lambasted after the game. Yeah, and the, the media is coming to him, going, "What are you thinking, by the you way, freaking idiot?" <clears throat> And, and, and by the like, way, I rushed to I rushed to hear McClanahan's presser yesterday and Kevin Cash's presser yesterday. Do you want to know what question was not asked to Kevin Cash? What did you think about leaving Shane in? Why not? It wasn't asked. It wasn't asked. I heard Shane McClanahan speak. Hey, did you want to go back out there for the eighth and have a chance to finish it off? It wasn't asked. And I don't think Shane Shane McClanahan didn't bring it up or anything. I don't recall seeing some uh, some upset. Fate, look on the face of Shane McClanahan in the dugout yesterday or anything. No. I think that they just understand. I right. think everybody that's around this team just understands so this moment. Now. It's, it's a just given a given. Now. Yeah. But can I, can I just interject here as a journalist? You can ask that question in a way that doesn't make you look stupid. But the people at home who maybe are not as learned as yourself would like, an, like that question answered. I so thought you the could question would have been asked. Yeah. To Kevin, um, we know how it works around here. But, um, you know, for for those who don't know <laughs> how you run this team and your pitching staff, could you answer the question of why Shane came out after 81 pitches as dominant as he was? I think you get, and I think you can ask that question that way every time he does it because I think obviously this was the post game chat on Twitter. This is what we're talking about today. You know, people, and I think it's a it's a fun debate, and I think it goes as we took it to a bunch of other layers that goes into the worlds that we live in right now. You know, when is it when is it better to go with your gut and your heart, and maybe not with the analytics that you know? And that's a fascinating argument in every sport now. So, I, I welcome it. All right, can we listen to the uh, cash and 
and McClanahan postgame, and uh, even though those questions were not asked and answered. Yeah, well, I thought which, I heard somebody talking about it last night, but then again, I, I fell asleep during the well, game. Well, it wasn't those two you know, fell asleep during the game. You know, so I, I didn't even tell you this. So I fall asleep during the game, and I get up on Twitter at 2, 2.30 in the morning, and it was I fell asleep, it was 5-1. to 1. I think it was 6th, 7th inning. And so I get up on Twitter, and somebody says, Kevin Cash is an idiot. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, the way he handles his bullpen is, is ridiculous. And I'm like, uh, did we, blew the, we blew the lead? So I go right to my Bally's app, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch it in real, you know, not in real time, but I'm not going go to I'm not gonna find out who won the game. So I'm watching the eighth inning, and I'm watching Adam self-destruct. I'm going, oh, here it is. We're going to lose 6-5 because it was 5-1. I'm like, oh, now we're going to yeah, – here comes the home run. And I'm like, oh, oh, we got out of that one. Okay, and then I'm watching the, the bottom of the eighth, and I'm like, we tacked on two, and we still lost? I'm like, oh, my God, this is a meltdown of epic proportions. What the heck have happened here? I can't wait to see what happens in the bottom of the night. Did Fairbanks suck that bad? And then he gets two quick outs, and I'm going, and I'm like, how two outs, and we blew this game? We blew a four-run <laughs> lead? I'm like, what the hell happened? And then he gets the final out, and I'm like, oh. And I go back to Twitter guy, and I'm like, oh, the game wasn't over yet when he, when he commented. So that was my ridiculous experience watching the end of the game last night. I had assumed that the Rays had lost, and it was just, you know, I was, I was waiting for the, the crash in turn three at Daytona. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I can't take my eyes off this. Oh, my God, how is he going to blow this? And then he didn't. So, kind of weird. But anyway, here's a, here's a, so, hey, maybe that'll be a fun way for you to watch a game from now on. It's kind of cool. Yeah, we'll play Kevin Cash here first. There we go. Really impressive starts, so efficient tonight. What impressed you tonight about him? I think most impressive, the efficiency. And that lineup knows him very well, and they're a bunch of really good hitters. Uh, and he kept them pretty quiet. Uh, speaks to the stuff that he had, the execution that he had, uh, and just committed himself to the strike zone. And, you know, when he does that, we've seen some special outings out of him. This was no different. I think it's just the added that it's in division. They, they, they know what he's doing and, and there wasn't much that they could prevent now if there was any doubt but nice to see the guys flush yesterday and that offense get back to normal today everyone contributing tacking on the insurance runs late in the game yeah it, it was and we needed them i mean there was a threat there at the end but um had full confidence that the guys would bounce right back i mean lopsided games I, I, sometimes your mindset is that game was probably over in the fifth inning, so maybe, maybe they were preparing from the sixth on for today's game. And then Wander, three for four, a couple RBI. Obviously, you knew that 11-game tough stretch he was having wasn't going to last, but still nice to see from him. It is. I'm happy for Wander. Uh, you know, hits make anybody, any player feel good. And, you know, he had started to hit some balls hard and didn't get much to show for it. Tonight he found some holes for sure and picked us up. <coughs> Just going back to Shane, I mean, you like to have him on the mound at all times, but just coming off of a game like that, probably yeah. to have someone you knew was going to give you a strong outing. And yeah, start. no doubt. And he's put himself like in that category of being the guy that you can really lean on. Um, he's given us plenty of reasons to lean on him, and tonight was no different. And did Luke look a little happier hitting the home run than he did last Giving night? up the home yeah. runs? Or home run? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> Like Taylor getting the double play. Huge there. play. Yeah, and good for Kevin Kelly. I mean, we're going to lean on KK to come in there and, and get some big outs for us. Um, Taylor, though, I mean, we want every ball hit to him. The way that he defends and footwork, hand, the confidence to go and, and turn the double play. Uh, you didn't know which way that inning was going to go, but when it was hit to him, he started feeling a lot better about it. 
probably nitpicking, but Shane had been walking more guys before these last couple of outings. Have you seen anything different from him just as far as the efficiency? Um, no, I mean, he's talked about it, like just getting committed to the zone, not let, not chasing a pitcher and at bat. Um, so, that I mean, if anything, that. He's the first eight-game winner now in the major series, back under two. I mean, he said before he deserves to be in that conversation among the best pitchers. Yeah, I mean. And probably asking hitters, I think they would agree. That opposing hitters, like it's just not fun at bat. Fun at bat when you got a pitcher throwing 95 to 100 miles an hour with four weapons that he can throw in the zone and out of the zone. Um, I think deservedly so. You've seen some inconsistencies with Jason Adam. What do you think some of the issues are there? Uh, I think today. Um, just an off night. Um, we'll get him right back out there tomorrow. If, you know, if he's available. Um, it was kind of weird. I think that's the first time I've actually gone out there to take the ball from him. I don't recall doing that. Um, but have full confidence that J.A., whatever adjustment uh, he needs to make, he'll do that and be pitching big innings for us. In Siri, the ability to have get it, get it on the ground and beat it out sometimes, but also to hit the home runs, is that kind of what you're looking for, that kind of multiple? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the, the home runs are something that we – not expected, but we're aware that that was part of his game. The the quality of the bats, he's really worked hard on that, and, we, and we've seen that, and it's helped us quite a bit to have that type of threat hitting in the you know eighth or ninth spot of a good lineup helps a lot. Yeah, there, there was a lot there uh, that I want to comment on, but we need to hit a break. So let, let's hit a break. We'll come back. We'll hear from Shane McClanahan. Um, we'll get into some of the others. We, we hit that uh, topic so much, but I want to talk a little bit about Siri and Rayleigh and, you know, so many of these guys that are just playing ridiculously good baseball and, you know, are certainly not superstars in this league yet. So quick break. Uh, our thanks to the Jeeves Law Group and Bay Area Modern Medical Center uh, as being the sponsors for our first hour. Back in three. Guys, are you experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had? It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old. It's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well. So do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability. Not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years, and it is a life changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. 
When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls. But as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue. That's my carrier. Love them. Paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay, from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions, they are awesome. Coming back at you. Now, more with JP on Fan Stream Sports. only just begun. All right, welcome back to the JP Peterson Show, brought to you by the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S Law Group.com. If you have any issues, legal issues at, at all at work, uh, somebody suing you, or you've been involved in an accident or something happened out at another business, we'll find out if you have a case. Just go to the JeevesLawGroup.com, call the number there. A human being will pick it up, and they will give you some great advice, free first consultation to find out if you have a case, and then you can go from there. Great folks, very approachable, and make it easy. They're not into running up the bills or any of that stuff. They go out and they get results for their people. Uh, very aggressive law firm. So if you have an issue, somebody's have sued you or pissed you off or you think you've been wronged, Go find find out. It's a free call. J-E-E-V-E-S, lawgroup.com. Personal attention, personal injury, 
any of those type things, uh, they are the folks to call. Scott Jeeves has been on the show many, many times. Very personable person. He'll jump on the phone with you and find out what's going on and give you some great advice. So if you've been wondering, you know, what's it going to cost to talk to an attorney? It's free. It's free. Just call him, uh, J-E-E-V-E-S-LawGroup.com, and you'll find out if you have a case. And super thanks uh, to those folks over there and all our sponsors. Bay Area Modern Medical Center, Italiano Insurance, Golden Diamond Source, our new sponsor, Extravaganza Productions, and American Mortgage Services. Thanks to all of them for letting us do what we do. Um, all right, we're going to get into some Bucks talk, by the way. We're doing that. Uh, was this just announced that the Bucks are having joint practices with the Jets? Yeah. You mentioned that. yeah, joint practices with the Jets for the, I think it's their second preseason game. Big bummer, though, that it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's the only away game, so it's going to be up in New Jersey. So we won't see Mr. Rogers down here in Tampa Bay, unfortunately. He's already hurt, so. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. He's, he's old. <laughs> Some investment Broken there. down. Some investment there, huh? <laughs> I was watching uh, the uh, package they did on Sports Center last night. And, you know, he's hobbling around there, and they're like, oh, but they got the, you know, the offensive rookie of the year. You know, he's going to be throwing, too. He's got he's – got, uh, oh, who was the running back that came out so good last year? Priest Hall. Priest Hall, yeah. True. They've got, they've got a really good roster. It was funny, too, because that same day, Lazard went down. Yep, yep. And they thought it was, like, maybe, like, an ankle thing, and everybody was all concerned. And then he came back in, and he was like, nah, I just got hit in the cojones, actually. <laughs> I'm all good to go. But it was a, a – holding your breath a little bit as a Jets fan there on the first day of OTAs. But that's great, though, to be able to go up against a roster like that uh, in OTAs and the individual battles that are going to go on there with Rodgers, you know, throwing one-on-ones uh, to those receivers. I mean, that's, um, you know, that's, that's going to be good. That's going to be really, really good for the, for the Buccaneers and, their, and their, their offense because they struggled against the better – or, I'm sorry, the defense. They struggled mm-hmm. against the better offenses last year, and the offense struggled against everybody. Um, and the Jets' offense was actually worse, just a little bit by a little bit than the, than the Bucks' offense. That's I, w- I would hope were. so. Yeah, <laughs> but not were, by much. I know. If you think the Bucks, you think God, the Jets were awful on offense last year. Guess what? We were just as bad. <laughs> but we had Tom Brady. Yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, I hope so with Mister Wilson back there. Yeah. My goodness. How's that working, by the way? <laughs> I thought didn't Wilson say he was gonna whoever that. Did he did he pull the MFR card? Whoever the MFR is that's here, I'm gonna outwork him or whatever. He's, he's gonna, I'm gonna make gonna his will make his life a living hell. I think was the quote he said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that working out, Zach? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you think Roger saw that? <laughs> oh, I think he did. I, I think his I think his brother, who just committed to Utah last night, has a better shot of seeing the field as a freshman than Zach Wilson does ever again in a Jets uniform. So there you go. How's Mrs. Wilson doing? Uh. <laughs> That would be your comment. That's like because you don't talk about that stuff. No, no. That's you the, and your friends don't talk. This about stuff's that all stuff. taboo. All the all just all us older guys. We we love that. That was so funny. Like, I won't I won't reveal the conversation you were you were having with me before the show today in your in your group chat with your friends. And I'm just like you know it's we're 40 years younger than y'all. We don't even have these discussions. It's been years since we've had these type of discussions, like locker room guy talk and things like that. You know what I'm going to do here that you know you won't hear most people do on their shows. I'm going to take you behind the curtain and be completely honest with our 
I'm not going to say we're, we're always completely honest with you because as a journalist, I hear things that I cannot reveal to you. So that's so, but as far as my personal life and what we talk about and those things, I try to be as honest as I can. So, yeah. And, and I think it's an interesting discussion for, cause we have, we have a, you know, we have a really good, uh, eclectic listenership. You know, I look at the demographics. You look at the demographics. We got a lot of young people that listen, I think, because you represent their viewpoint. And we got a lot of old, you know, I will say, you know, the movers and shakers of the sports industry in this town listen to the show. I know that for a fact. So they so we have, a, I think, an older, real educational, uh, very successful, high income demographic as well. And, you know, my, our group chats. We're sitting there, you know, we were, it's my, it's my FSU group chat. So we, we talk a lot about all the sports, not just football. We talk about women's sports. We follow, hey, the, you know, the lady knows, we still call them the lady knows. Um, lady knows are doing this. Did you see our softball ladies? They, they're kicking ass. And so when, when Sandra Cock pitched that perfect game, of course, we have to go into all the double entendres and all that, you know, silly juvenile stuff that we do. Not that, you know, we would never, you know, disrespect her. And that's not, I don't think it's disrespect. It's a funny name, okay? It's a funny name, and we're, we're going to do this behind in our little group chat and, and make stupid, stupid double entendres, all right? I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. We're not doing it publicly. We're not making, you know, and we completely respect what the hell she's doing. We're talking about it. We think she's amazing, but we, and, and you're like, yeah, we don't, we don't do those things. We just don't talk that way. And I'm like, eh, it's probably for the better. We're, we're like sports, like 98% of the time. Yeah. Because that's our bond. That's our main bond. I don't know if which is more evolved. Like, you guys are so afraid to talk about it, you can't deal with it. Or you're just like, eh, it's so childish and immature, we just don't want to deal with that. Well, no, it's not even just, like, stuff like that. Like, we don't get into anything that's Politics, going on. Yeah. We don't ever, like, like, I'll say right now, I, if you ask me, like, where do my political stances or my friends are, I don't know. I don't know. We don't get into those things. And I yeah. think that's for the better. And we've been friends for like a decade, like the 10 of us. So I think, I think, it, I think it works. We're going to go into some other esoteric part of the discussion here. I think there's pluses and minuses to both of them. I think you could be a lot happier in life if you stick your head in the sand and just be an ostrich and not try to understand what's going on in the world right now. There's no question you can be much happier. There is no doubt. But you're also going to be completely blindsided when some of this crazy shit happens and it already happened that way, to be quite honest. And you're also not, a, you're not doing anything about it when the world is going to shit and you don't know it, you can't speak up or speak out and, and have some courage to do so. Not that I'm not saying you don't have the courage to do so. I'm just saying you've chosen not to enter the fray. And I totally get that. And I'm having, listen, I'm, I'm having real, there are times when I just have to shut it off. I did it last night. I woke up in the middle of the night and I'm on Twitter and I'm reading all this crap. That, you know, we're having there's going to be a nuclear attack this weekend. Like, really? Seriously? I mean, you people are crazy. You're out of your minds. And they start listing all these things that have happened. And I'm like, and you start, you go down the rabbit hole. You go down the rabbit hole. And it's, a, it's in that, I don't want to be there. You're never going to be there. No, because so, the, the, mute, right. the mute button is a hell of an yeah, option. And here's, the other, and, here, and here's the other part of that. There ain't a damn thing I can do about that. You know, so why be crazy about it? You know, and I think that's what a lot of people think. Now, I think I think voting, voting and being informed about what's going on in the country (laughs) is very, very important. And you need to you know, you need to understand what's happening and get that knowledge and be able to speak your mind. But unfortunately, in in this world we live in, we're not even able to do that. 
is that can affect your career if you want to actually, you know, there, you know, years past you could actually, you know, put out an opinion and not get roundly criticized for it. Or, and even if you were criticized, it was, it was a respectful discussion and people didn't hate you at the end and want you to die like, like we are now in this situation. So I went we got out on a tangent there, but it is, it is where we are in this world today. And I don't, you know, you're sitting here with two guys that take a directly opposite approach and, you know, I don't know. I, I'm here to tell you. You guys could chime in. I would love to hear from you guys as, as commenters. Where are you on this? Do you just stick your head in the sand and say, "There's nothing I can do about it anyway"? I'll just, you know, I'll be prepared to vote when I can, and not that that even matters anymore. <laughs> but I don't know. Do you just you just follow sports? Not any politics. Don't want to know what's going on in the world. Don't want to know what happened at the Kremlin last night. Don't, don't want to know what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. I just need to know this. It's like it's like the initial discussion we I, had. Do you take Shane in or do you leave him pulling? I just need to know. I don't this. have answers to anything. All, all I need to know is this: is what's the big headlines in sports? I need to have my eyes on the weather radar for when I'm doing things. So if I, if my if my softball game is going to happen like it, tonight, like if my softball game is going to happen tonight, those yeah. are the things that I keep my eye on. Yeah, and everything else, yeah, yeah, I. It's it's hard to argue. Well, you can't argue it, but I think there's there's two sides of the argument. Just like the, we keep coming back to the same themes today. You know, there are, there are valid arguments on both sides. I don't know. Um, all right, where were we with uh, Shane McClanahan? You said you had some things you wanted to get to from the from the cash presser. Uh, that you um, wanted to comment on. Well, you know, first of all, Luke Rayleigh. Can we talk about him for a little bit? Let's give him his flowers. Let's do it. Ten home runs. Ten home runs. By the way, did you see him go first to third last night? Uh, yeah, he he's like a he's honestly like a gazelle out there. He's what six three two twenty. He's a big dude. He's like he's he, he's like a, a huskier Josh Lowe, right? And and he, he's six four two thirty five. <laughs> he runs like a freaking he's a, he's tight a, end. He's a tight end. He runs like a freaking tight end. And that seed he hit out last night. I mean that was a back to freak. back back to or no two days in the series where he's hit the same kind of trajectory there on those home runs. Yeah, it, it, it just he is like a really good player. Uh, and Jose Siri eight home runs. And you see the way he pimped the one last night. Yeah, and he had he had every reason to pimp. He had every reason to pimp yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, as Randy stopped doing the this into the third base dugout, now just doing it into his own dugout. I, I don't think so, that? no. Which, by the way, not to go down that rabbit hole, no. but like I saw people like discussing that, and I saw people putting up polls yesterday. You know, are you in favor of Randy doing this? Should he stop? And this and that. I know our good friend Ray's fan Gio hates it, and I'm like, lighten up, Francis. Boomer. Come on, bro. Boomer. <laughs> Boomer. You're giving us a bad name, Boomer. Gio, God, come on. Because um, I, I, I like it within reason. Like I think, I like it's a perfect example. Because I don't know if Randy Randy stopped doing this, but he used to was stopping at third base and looking at the third base coach. If we're playing, which you're also facing the if third we're, base dugout, the other team. If we're playing the Yankees, you do whatever care. you want to do. I don't care. You do whatever you want to do. Agree. Agree. You're Agreed. playing the Red Sox. You do whatever you want to do. You do it to the Yankees because I just, they're so thin skinned. They're so thin skinned. Yeah, I want Donaldson and his little you know what to get out of that dugout. Yeah, yeah, I want him yeah. to do something. Yeah. I'm right. I'm with you on that. I don't have a problem with when that. When it comes to certain teams, absolutely. Let's pimp the shit out of it. But you know what? If we're playing the A's or something, eh, maybe I'll pass on that. We could be respectful. Just a little but, bit. But when, the, when the Yankees do what you do, 
which is just, you know, get your little panties in a wad, and then we're going to throw it at your head. Me, you hit a home run off me and looked at it. Me, I'm going to throw it at your head now. You know, if you're Aaron Boone, eh, eh, you don't like the way they play. You're cheating. Eh, Aaron Boone. What a whiny bitch. He, he's, such a, he's such a perfect manager for the Yankees. He embodies everything that is the Yankees. He's just a whiny bitch sometimes. Just is. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, but, the, but, but I think, Randy, I, I, would, I would say, yeah, do that to your dugout, not the other dugout, even if you're doing it to the third base coach, which I know he was, then, you know, yeah, that, that's fine. But I, I'm not getting upset about what he's doing. I don't care because we, no. need, we need personality. Baseball needs some personality to it. We already mentioned attendance is up. I'm sure viewership is up as well. Yep. We need these type of things in the game. Uh, the Rays, which is a, a team that historically gets kind of disrespected on the national scale, Right for being the little engine that could. Right, and they're proven they have they have some of the elite players in baseball at the moment, and they have wonderful personality and they jive together well. So I don't want to temper Randy. That's who Randy is. Right, I, right. isn't that the whole thing? We I hate to keep going back to like we have this discussion today about the world and everything. It's like isn't that what we're telling people now to be themselves yes. and don't temper anything? Yes. So I'm not going to get upset when Randy does it. I'm just that's not. a great point. That's a great point. You know what? And there's limits to it, though. There are limits to it. And you say, where's the line? I don't know. I, can't, it, 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 I know it when I see it. It's like the old pornography <laughs> argument. Well, I know it when I see it. And I know when pimping goes too much. And I know when the guys are just celebrating and having a good time. Yeah, even the one. I, I, like I, I can't tell you what it looks like, even the, but I know what it looks even like. Even the wander, like, little flip that he did a couple weeks Come back. On. Like, as a, as, a, as a one-off type of thing in the moment. Whatever. Which, by the way, has found its way into Major League Baseball promos. Have you seen that? I haven't. There you go. And baseball wanted that. You think Marv yes. Manfred sat back and said, ooh, I don't like that. No. Absolutely not. It's you in promos I've now. Been, I've been meaning to do this, and this is a perfect time, and I'm going to see if he's available. Let, let's hear from Shane McClanahan. But uh, Jason Romano, our good friend Jason Romano, played against the Savannah Bananas. Yeah. We talked a little bit about it on our show when he came on last time. But we went to lunch the other day, and we talked extensively about it. And he's like, the Savannah Bananas are going to change baseball history. I'm like, that's a little bold. He's got, he goes, nope, I witnessed it. I see what they're doing. And the fans freaking love it. They eat it up. Well, I tuned into that game to see it. Because I had never watched the Savannah Bananas before that. And mm-hmm. I watched the live stream a little bit that day. Mm-hmm. You have to just go in. Let's just say you have to go in as an open mind. Right. You can't go in expecting to see baseball. a beautiful as, baseball game. As you've and, known it. Yeah, as you've known it. You can't be going in there and being like, ah, oh, hot dogs and Cracker Jacks and the smell. You can't go in go with that mindset with the Savannah Bananas. You have to open up a little bit. So, What's wrong with that? I'm just going to say I don't want those themes in my, in my MLB. I'm not that far on, but it, is, it has its place on the side. 25,000 tickets sold before they even went online. Yeah, there's a demand. Will say differently, but yeah. then again, you can also say, "Well, that's a one-off. Do we want to watch that every single night? The jo- same jokes over and over? No, it gets old. Don't forget that. A little bit. Yeah, same stuff. Uh, you're gonna have to come up with new routines. <laughs> I'm, and I'm, I'm sure they do that. I'm sure it's different on a night-to-night basis. Probably not much. Probably a lot of it's the same. It's like the Harlem Globetrotters. You don't remember? I went to see, went going to see the Harlem Globetrotters. Are they still even like doing their thing? I don't think they are. No, I think it's become so passe. But it was, when the Harlem Globetrotters came to town, it was big. They used to put those big games news. on, like, ESPN. Yeah, 
And I, I, I remember going, my mom took me like two or three times, and that was the greatest thing I'd ever seen in my life. I had a metal lark lemon dump the, the bucket of confetti on my head. Yeah. It's a big moment in my life. And job. you can almost like make the argument, not that, they're, not that this is like a real thing, but I'll just bring it up. What the Globetrotters did, take, pulling up from anywhere, downtown and all that, it kind of was. Neal. Yeah, and it turned yeah. into what we see now where it's acceptable to pull up from anywhere now people, on the court and what Steph Curry has done. They people kinda don't, people go don't remember this, but Metal Lark Lemon could make a half-court hook shot on demand. Like he did that, he could make 8 out of 10. Mm-hmm. A half-court hook shot. Like, we saw Joker do the, the one-hand fadeaway for three, and we all lost our mind, right? Yeah. Now, there was nobody guarding Meadowlark at the time, but I, think, I don't think anybody's going out on him doing the hook shot at half court. Uh, no. Curly Neal, the great Curly Neal, used to dribble through his legs and do the, the, the most incredible. He'd run. He'd go and slide and keep his dribble going, slide and keep his dribble going. It was the most amazing show you've ever seen in your life. And it was, it was and maybe that was the thing that lit my fire about basketball. You know, we'd all go, you know, try to, don't try to do the ass, don't slide on the asphalt, by the way. We try to do a curly kneel when he's on a wood floor. Not going to work out well for you. Um, yeah, but that's entertainment. And I think there has to be a level of Major League Baseball entertainment. That, that, and if you think that standing and watching a blast of a home run is somehow not entertaining, or loses, or it makes makes it worse for you watching the baseball game. I'm bat flips are cool. I They've just, always. I been, just think you got like I, you know. Yeah. I understand you, you, you like tradition. The game should be, but you got to like. No, I feel like you hit a home run. No, I'm proud of that. I hit that ball. You know how hard it is to hit a home run off these guys these days. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, I'd be admiring it. Me, I'd be farting confetti the whole time. <laughs> I'd running around the base. That's why I keep, trailing me. That's why I keep saying in my softball. You know the rule is you're not supposed to, if you hit a home run. I hate that rule. You're not supposed to run the bases. I hate that rule. I I told my guys. I hate that. Rule. I said if I hit a home run at I'm some trying. point during this season, I'm trying. I've never done that in my entire like baseball career. Yeah. Okay, and you're gonna tell me that I just need to like jog to first base and then just turn around and go back to my You're running that base is like Kirk Gibson. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you, you feel different. There's a different feeling to your body when you hit a home run and you trot around. You, you, you are just like You know what's air. funny? I'd probably, I'd probably have like. It's like just cruising on air. You I can't would probably have feel the, your feet hit the ground. I'd probably have the biggest smile on my face going around too. Which is like, you know, so taboo in baseball as well. You're supposed to no-sell it and look down and go across the bases. <laughs> if I did that, every time I'd be like smiling, like, <laughs> look what I just did. When I had a walk-off Grand Slam to beat Palace Saloon when I was playing for Doc Sports Bar, a walk-off granny down the line, Carlton Fist style, like just inside the foul pole, fair pole, I was going to put my head down. And just walk, I mean, and I was going to walk to the dugout? I might, F, rip, no. I might rip my jersey off by the time no. I get to second base. Oh, oh, that was the greatest. I read, I stomped on every base. Hell yeah, I'm running the bases. <laughs> greatest moment in my sporting career, by the way. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Um, not that anyone cares. Are we going to listen to Shane McClanahan at some point, <laughs> for were, God's sakes? We're going to get there. We've been all over the place yeah. this morning. Jesus Christ. Let's it's listen to Shane Not my McClanahan. fault, your fault. All right, Shane, you were quite efficient tonight, and Kevin Cash mentioned that was impressive, especially knowing how well this Blue Jays lineup knows you. Just how did you feel today with that efficiency? I felt good. Um, you know, like I've been saying the last couple of weeks, been really trying to hammer home, you know, make some adjustments, you know, between starts. And, 
um, you know, I could have done some things better tonight, maybe made some better pitches, but, you know, I think we're trending in the right direction. He also mentioned that you've just become a guy that they can lean on. I'd imagine that sounds pretty good for you because you always say you just want the team to win. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, my only motive, I think anybody in here can attest to that, is, is did we win? Um, you know, as long as I help this team and put them in a good situation to win, that's really truthfully all I care about. You know, everything else will take care of itself. Always have confidence in that offense, even when it gets close at the end, attack on those insurance runs. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I believe in everybody in this room, and I think they can say the same thing. Um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, last night didn't go our way, but um, nobody nobody cared. Nobody remembered that when they came into the clubhouse today, and it's all about putting the next foot forward and moving on from it. You always talk about wanting to help the team. Were you kind of glad you had the chance to start today coming off of that loss? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I, you know, I love riding the ship. You know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things where I always want to put us in the best possible situation I can. And whatever that is, whether that's five, four, seven, eight, whatever, doesn't matter. Um, you know, that's my ultimate job is to help this team win. And, you know, I love that opportunity to get us right where we need to be. Cash also mentioned tonight was kind of impressive just given how well that lineup has gotten to know you over the years. How do you feel like you've kind of managed to, to win that chess match? Just making adjustments, you know, just trying to trying to do things maybe that I wouldn't necessarily do in certain counts or, you know, I don't want to get too much into detail about my game plan because I'm, I'm sure I'm going to see these guys again. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like chess. You just got to make those minor adjustments. And the way the guys got the lead early, you think that kind of set a good tone too? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I felt like anybody in the world would know that this offense was going to bounce back after, you know, kind of last night. and. Yeah, it was it was good to see they they jumped on him and never looked back. Never looked back. Yeah, I mean it's, it's weird he didn't get that question, or maybe it wasn't edited in. I don't know, but you know we've known we we pretty much know when when Shane is not happy when he's taken out, mm-hmm. and I think just think he's you know this is part of his evolution as a pitcher. He, he I think he understands more what's going on and why they're doing what they're doing. And, of course, they won the game. That helps. So and they he, blow the game. And he, knows, totally he knows, and I think the other players have said it, he is the unquestioned leader of the team. Yeah. He's the unquestioned leader of the team. So they do as he does, right? And if he were to raise hell over it and things like that, you know, who's going to check him and probably be like, hey, man, we got a bigger picture here. Yeah. Right? We all got faith. He said right there, he's got faith in everybody in that clubhouse to get it done. I just it all. You hear the way these guys talk, and you hear Kevin Cash talk, and the trust. To me, it's no surprise why they're thirty six and sixteen, it's, it's or probably, whatever it's it is. Probably a big reason, and they, no one ever wanted to say it, but it's probably a big reason Blake Snell got moved quicker than maybe they, he would have, because Blake I was very com- outspoken. I completely agree with that. Yeah, and I'm typically in favor of outspoken people for the most part, um, but I get it. You know, there's outspoken and there's also there's also like, listen, you know, you can keep bitching about this if you want, but it's not going to change, Shane. This is the way we're going to handle you. This is your role. You go out and give us seven. um, You know, you get to 80 pitches. We save some pitches for the end of the year. And that's the way they look at it. And again, we're not going to go through the whole argument, but that's the way the Rays are going to do it. So you might as well just get on board. You have no control of when you're coming out of the game except to pitch well. You pitch well. You're, you know, we'll let you go as long as we think it's good for you. And we have your best interest in mind. And, that you know, at some point you stop fighting it. I mean, I loved the fact that Shane did early in his career because it just showed me that he cared and he wanted to be dominant and he wanted to have the ball. I don't want guys, you know, as my number one who, you know, want to, oh, good, the reliever's coming in. I can get out now. You know, I want the mentality of bulldog mentality. I can do this myself. Leave me alone. 
but we're going to save you from yourself. We need that in the you know first through seven. That's good. And you did your job. Now it's time for, and it's part of being a team player. It's part of being a team player. As you say, you know, yeah, I want to be out there, but I have faith in my guys that they're going to get it done. And this is what's best for the team. So when you say you don't want to come out, you're also saying, I don't believe in my bullpen. Right? Yeah, right? that, that's what I said. If, right. if Kevin Cash set that president in May yeah. that, hey, I don't have enough trust in Jason Adam and Pete Fairbanks, then how are you ever going to have trust in those guys in October? Exactly. Exactly. And these are, these are big. These are, this is what Kevin Cash has to think about, not just tonight, but the rest of the season. Whereas McClanahan, fans, us, we, you know, we look at it in a microcosm sometimes. I think you have to – obviously, these decisions don't, aren't made in a vacuum. Yeah. They're made with longer you – know, uh, with a longer view. And, and that you can't argue with the results when it comes to the Rays and pitching. Yeah, and also too, just to the point because you had mentioned Luke Rayleigh and what he's done. It, it isn't it so crazy. It's like I would hate to go back and watch some of our shows during the off season, where we were completely clowning the organization's faith that Luke Rayleigh was going to be our big bopper from the left hand side. Mm-hmm. And not only has that worked out. OPS plus, which they say is one of the better because it adjusts to ballparks. They say oh. it's like the really the big stat to look at, right? The best the stat, best stat, to <laughs> how good somebody is as a hitter. Yeah, and by, by the way, number one on that list in Major League Baseball is Yandy Diaz, who yes. has a 188 OPS plus, which is above Judge and Jordan Alvarez. I think I've heard of those guys before. Yes. Yes. So Yandy, by the way. Put up, put him in MVP discussions. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But he doesn't use as many home runs as Judge. He's only three short, and he's one short in uh, Jordan Alvarez, and right. he's a leadoff hitter. He's a true table setter. No, he's on base a, he, percentage. He's, he's an MVP candidate. Yeah, I agree. But guess where Luke Rayleigh is on that list? He's 13th. Doesn't surprise me. Where's he's Siri? He's 13th Where's on that Siri? list. Siri's actually, believe it or not, the Rays have, like, the most players, I think, in baseball with an OPS plus well, above 100. OPS in baseball. Which is not surprising. Siri is actually on the lower end of that spectrum. I think he's hovering around like 120 or something I, I like that. I think somebody else. Um, oh, Josh Lowe. Josh Lowe is what I'm thinking of. Josh Lowe, I believe last time I checked, he was up there in the top 10. Yeah, yeah. And Wander's up there. Randy's all, – all those – they have so many guys who are up there right now. Yeah, Josh Lowe is a 174 plus. That's top 10. Yeah, it's top 10. So the two guys that they put their faith in to be the big boppers yeah. – how can you argue with it right now? The question is, will it last? I mean, we're how many games are we in right now? We're we're past the we're past the fifty game mark, right? So what are we like? Third essentially, we're third away through the season, mm-hmm. and I don't see any drop off. Yeah. I don't. I don't see the Papa John specials, you know, coming to an end right now. They continue to just put up more I mean, runs than they Last need. night they faced a really good pitcher who had shut them down a lot. Yeah, who had their number. Kikuchi. It I, was Kikuchi I, night. I meant to bring that up. We're an hour and ten into this show, and you haven't brought I up gave, his I name. I put out one tweet last night. I had to put out I one know you did, and night. I thought you were going to come on. the Rays are really pounding the Kikuchi tonight. And I, <laughs> I need a cigarette after this game. <laughs> and I thought you were going to lead with that today about the Kikuchi. And we took an hour and ten for you to get to i got to save some for the second half, you know. It's a good line. Razor pounding the Kikuchi. I think I need a cigarette. I tried, and I went to get a cigarette meme. The guy needs a cigarette. None of them really fit, so I just went with it. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, again, sophomoric, stupid stuff that we do. I can't help myself. Um, yeah, but look, look, these guys are, they did nothing. 
I'm sorry. I'm not going to. I'm not going to beat us up for being that way in the off season. Even their general manager said it. We got to get a left-handed bat. We got to go make some moves. We got. They spent their entire off season. You know how many man hours they put into that. And what did they come up with? We're good. We're yeah. good. Let's wait till we see what goes. That's effing brilliant. And I can't sit here and say they lucked. They lucked out. Although even Neander said that when I uh, hosted that panel last week. Uh, I, you know, I, we kind of joked about it, you know, we were sitting, we were at lunch and I, we were kind of, and I, I, I literally said that to him. I go, yeah, I go, I don't know, you know, how much you listen to the show, but I said, I said, we were just all, and I said, we were echoing your comments that you needed to go get some left-handed bats. So you did nothing and you now have the best offense in baseball. Tell me, I said, I literally asked him, I said, tell me you knew that was going to happen. And he laughed. He said, well, he goes, but he goes, we, we, but when we weighed what we had to give up and what we were going to pay. With the guys that we had and what we thought they could do, what we projected them to do, we said, we said, you know what? There's a chance we could be better if we make these moves. Yeah. There's a chance we could be better if we don't. So why expend all this capital if, you don't, if you're not even assured of being better than what you think you have? You know how hard of a decision that is to make? It may be easier when you work for the Rays and you have no budget. Okay, so I'll give him that. Like, I don't think you can make that decision in New York or Boston. Or L.A. I don't think you can. Well, but you can here because the media is not going to get on you, number one. And your owner gives you the flexibility to do so. In fact, will applaud you for doing so, for being cheap. And so you're allowed to do it. So in some ways, that serendipity kind of helps the race. Well, look at what the Red but not, uh, look at the, yeah, not, Look at the difference of what he's able to do. And like Boston, I think, is a great example where Heim Bloom, it almost seems like he's trying to run a race type show over there. And the fans have completely rejected it. Of course, it seems like anytime something goes wrong in Boston, because it's not working. Well, it's they've, to be clear, they've turned things around now. Yeah, okay. They've turned things around. They're above five hundred. They didn't have division. immediate success. Let's put it that way. No, no, they did not. And they didn't go out and get big names. And they they're not perceived as that team anymore. That when there's a big free agent, prize free agents out there, we're no longer going. Oh, Boston's a fit for them. And the fans, I think, have pushed back on that because they're so used to being in those sweepstakes where they're not anymore, right? Whereas over here, eh, you have a little bit of a different kind of kind of leeway to do those things. Same thing with the Yankees. The Yankees didn't go out. I mean, yeah, they spent a lot of their budget on an Aaron Judge, right? So mm-hmm. I guess that counts. Right. But they didn't really change much to their lineup this year, and Yankee fans were, like, calling for Cashman's head. Why are you not spending money on offense? What, where are the Yankees? Yeah. There's the difference. Yeah, and when you have the resources to do so, I mean, you can't say, I don't want Juan Soto on my team if I, if I have the money to pay for him and, the, and, the, and, and I have season tickets and viewership that allows me to spend $250 million on payroll and I, my company's still going to make a crap ton of money. That's my budget. Okay, yeah. well, I need to spend $250 million. You can't say, you know, I, I don't want Juan Soto on my team. Of course you do. But what are you going to give up to get him? You know, if he's just a free agent, you don't have to give up anything. Well, yes, of course, I want to go out. I want to pay Aaron Judge three hundred and sixty million dollars. You don't have a, you don't, you don't have a choice, really, if yeah. you're in New York. And that was the right choice. If you have the money to do it, you should do it. That said, it doesn't guarantee you anything. No, it, it doesn't, and that's why. Like, I mean, even though we all would agree we want the Rays to spend more money. They're never going to be in the play to spend $400 million contracts for guys. And I'd argue that's probably not a smart move, right? I mean, I think Houston, look at their entire lineup. Who was, who was Houston brought in 
during this entire run they've been on in that lineup that they didn't yeah. homegrown. They've lost some players. Obviously, George Springer saw him last night. But he was homegrown. Yeah. He was yeah. homegrown. Tucker's homegrown. Altuve yeah. was homegrown. Yeah. Jordan Alvarez is homegrown. Uh, I know I'm missing a few guys in that lineup. Bregman was homegrown. Yeah. The core of what they've had is all homegrown in that lineup. Yeah, they grew that. They and, grew they, that. and they supplemented it they, with like but the, the... But then what they did with the Rays never do is they kept them all, for the most part. Yeah, and they, they spent big on pitching and stuff like that, but... So there's different. There's no one way to do it. Right. We've Just seen be teams. Good at it. Be good at it. Don't be Brian. Cashman. We're seeing teams right now that have spent <laughs> loads of money to make themselves a World Series contender, and Toronto, I'd argue, is a good example of that. Who I continue to tell you every year when I hear Toronto's going to be a World Series, no, they're not. No. They're in last place right now. The Padres. How much money have they spent to be 21 and 27 or whatever it is right now? Yeah. Some of that yeah. stuff just doesn't work anymore. You got to be good at it. You, gotta, you still have to put together a team. You yeah. still have to put together a team that works together, plays together well, and that's the problem. We've talked about this. When you have a bunch of high-paid players, it's hard to get them to buy into what you're doing as a franchise because they know better. Yeah, and then and you they, deal and with they, and they want to justify their numbers. They, you know, big egos yeah. as well. Tatis is not going to. If there's two guys on, and they're not throwing him anything to hit, and first base is open, right? Do you yeah. think you think he's going to sit there and take his walk? No, he's going to swing at a bad pitch because he's got to get his numbers. Mm-hmm. That's not good baseball. The Rays won't do that. Yeah. The Rays won't do. Wander Franco's not going to do that. No, it's, it's get with that's the, the difference. A team get, get with the pro, get with the program, or you know you're going to be out on the right. next the next uh, trade we make. It makes baseball a fascinating game. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, you want to talk some bucks? Yeah, we'll, we'll get talk some bucks. bucks. Want to talk some uh, some NFL? Yeah, we, there's, there's a few stories out there to get to. Um, I hate to say this, but we're not talking about the Florida Panthers. I, fi- I kind of find myself rooting for them. How is that possible? Now, now you're coming around. Now How you're coming around. Possible? I should have put my Florida Panthers hat on today, oh, don't honestly. Don't you dare. Do not. Come on. There, there's a line. All right, quick break. We'll be back in a second. This is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just Get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up, they're going down, they're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. 
Lots of stuff going on right now, and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man, Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients but it's the customer service that sets them apart they can shop all your insurance needs and save you big time money don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice generated robot these are confusing times for homeowners and italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation home auto business life it's italiano for all the pieces of your life Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events, the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions. They are awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, let's rock. This is Fan Stream Sports with JP. All right, welcome back to the JP Peterson Show. And uh, big thanks to our new sponsor, EPI, Extravaganza Productions there. If you have any uh, 
any events going on, large or small, they are definitely the folks that can help you make it look big and fantastic and wonderful. Uh, they have a, a fabrication shop. They can make anything you need that is specific to your particular event. Um, and you can get a free creative design consult with them. So if you're thinking about, you know, I'm going to do something different with my fundraiser this year. Maybe we can do this. And then they'll walk you through their warehouse of props. <laughs> it's just amazing what they have in that place. So call Paul Thomason over there at EPI Productions. Just uh, Google them, Extravaganza Productions. You can get all their contact information. And give them a call. And that consult will be free. Um, and you can figure out what the heck you're going to do with your big party. Got a big birthday coming up? They'll do that too. Have a have a production company do it. You're going to go out and spend all that money anyway, right? Have the professionals do it. And you don't have to worry about all that stuff. You know, the AV and setting up this and setting up that. They'll do it for you and hook you up. Um, all right, we got to get into some uh, Buccaneer stuff. We had the OTAs yesterday. We had Scott Reynolds on yesterday. Um, we talked a little bit about Aaron Rodgers having his calf, uh, injuring his calf and having to sit and watch, which is like so, that's so New York Jets, you know. They finally got a quarterback for the first time. You know, they've never had a quarterback throw for 4,000 yards in a season. Yeah, yeah. I think they're one of two franchises. Yeah. What, what is the other franchise? Uh, the Bears, I think. <laughs> My gosh. In a passing league. That's, yeah, that's why, and that's why they're so happy to have Aaron Rodgers. Who, who is who is the best Jets quarterback since Joe Namath? Is it Chad Pennington? Richard Todd. I don't even know who Richard Todd is. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you old guys will know. Oh, uh, they've they've had someone. Uh, the whole thing was Jesus Christ, Matt, Matt White. For God's sakes, Matt White couldn't play at USF, and he's playing. <laughs> he's playing for. He's starting for the Jets. For God's sakes. I think that says more about USF than it does about the Jets. But he was pretty good at Western Kentucky. Yeah, he was. Yeah, this just then he was pretty damn good at Western Kentucky. Um, so yeah, I, I think I, I saw uh, Gronk said it. Uh, who else was on last night um, uh, on NFL Live? They were talking about um, Baker Mayfield. The GMC was on as well, and Ryan Leaf was talking about Baker Mayfield. It was really a fascinating discussion because obviously Ryan Leaf, number two pick overall. And he's very honest about how he, you know, disposed of his yeah. opportunity. He's really, really, it's really insightful to hear him talk about it. And he was talking about listening to Baker Mayfield's interviews like we were. You played, you played the sound yesterday. And he was talking about how this guy is just in a different mind space right now. He's humbled himself. Uh, he said, I wasn't able to do that. I always thought of myself as, you know, being the badass starter. And, and, and I wasn't going to take a backup role or even, comp- or even compete for the starting job. And here's Baker Mayfield embracing the competition, saying all the right things, showing humility. Uh, he goes, he's just, you know, he's got, he's in a position now where he can take advantage of his talent and advantage of the experience that he's had and use that to his ability and his advantage against, you know, uh, Kyle Trask in this competition. And he feels like Baker Mayfield is going to do a Geno Smith. And wouldn't that be fun to watch? Wouldn't that be fun to watch this year? To watch, you know, the Bucks play. I, 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 I will submit to you that if the Bucks win nine games, okay, if they win nine games or ten games and win the division, because I think that'll probably win it, and the offense is scoring 25, 26 points a game, I'm here to tell you that's going to be so much more enjoyable than what we watched last year. Oh, obviously. Last year, was, last year even though we won a division title, did anybody have fun? 
Did we have fun with with Bucks football last year? Save like the last three minutes of maybe three games. I could. Was there any joy in Bucks football last year? If I wanted, no. if I ever no. wanted to become a smoker, last year was the year that I could have done it. Right? You mean weed? Sure. Okay. <laughs> you you had to smoke a bowl or two to get through Bucks games, right? No, I don't. I don't, I, don't, out there. I don't think the the weed would have given me the effect I was looking for. Yeah, to describe this. You want season. the nicotine disgust high? Is that what you're? Yeah, I want. For? I want to feel disgusting after, after every game. But there was no joy in it, right? <laughs> How much fun did we have? Just coming here on the show every day and bitching about Brady and the offense and Byron Leftwich and what's Todd Bowles not, doing? Nazi. Blah blah blah. Right? Yeah. Save a couple of games. There wasn't a whole lot of joy in it. So I'm looking forward to this season and watching my quarterback roll out and on third and six take off and run for a first down. <gasps> Wow. Imagine. You know, look, I'd love to have, you know, Brady of 2021 or 2020 back, but that dude is gone. He's gone, and he ain't coming back. At least that guy. I mean, if Brady wants to come back and play for the Raiders, how about about it? It'll be like George Blanda all over again, except he won't be smoking heaters like Blanda did. Um, No, but I'm, you know, and I hate to dismiss Kyle Trask, and I'm not, uh, but I just feel like Baker's – it's like Scott said yesterday, it's his job to lose. And I think, I think, what are you, what are you, what are you looking at? I, I, I'm going back and watching some of the OTA film and, and here's some of just standard little throw here, like a tight end seam up the middle and <laughs> no defense, no defense, but like Trask throws one and it's kind of like kind of behind Otten. Baker makes a bad throw, whatever. We'll let that <laughs> one slide. Okay. We'll let that one slide. I'm, ha- okay, I'm, I'm trying to get it to come around again so you could see the one that Kyle Trask threw. Here it is right here. Down the seam. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. A little 10-yard pass and just not even in the vicinity of the tight end. Wow, that's bad. That's really bad. With no defense? With with no defense. And underwear football, yeah. I can't really tell if the, if the guy ran a bad route, you know. I mean, it was Kate Otten, so. Yeah, well, he knows how to run a seam route. Wow, that's bad. That's bad. That's so bad. Anyway, maybe, continue. Maybe, maybe, you know what? Maybe they both suck. Continue. It's going to be a two-win season. I, listen, I may or may not have a Trask agenda, agenda so you continue. I, I don't know. But, you know, I, I may look like a fool next year because maybe Peter King is right. Maybe all these pundits are right that not having Brady is going to disintegrate well, this your, football your team. Your take that Baker Mayfield potentially could be the Geno Smith of this year, let, let's be in all honesty. What, what, are, what is the likelihood of us getting to that happen? Because before Geno Smith, what was, the, was there ever an example of that really? Tannehill. Tannehill had a second chapter. Drew Brees had a second chapter. Um, Tannehill, I thought, was, service, was, service, was serviceable chapter. to good in Miami. Um, I think... Uh, um, but not to the uh, effect of what Geno did. Matthew uh, Matthew Stafford went from no, a bad no, no. team to a good to team. To the effect of what Geno did, where he was a, a flamed-out starter after a year, a backup for a decade. Generational backup. A generational backup for a decade, yeah. and then just becoming a Pro Bowl quarterback all of a sudden at age 33. 31, I think it was. No uh, president. There's no president. No, I, no, there really isn't. Uh, Fitz, maybe. Fitz had moments. Yeah. No. Uh, eh, there's nearly not, but I, I think Baker would be similar. I mean, he was thrown on the trash heap. Let's just let's say that quarterbacks that were thrown on the trash heap that came back and and got a you know the comeback player of the year that was Geno. I think you could you could classify Baker Mayfield signing a four million dollar deal as as being on the scrap heap. But I don't think people were lining up for Baker Mayfield, right? It's fair to say. 
I mean, he wasn't the he wasn't the guys that they were going after. Um, so we'll see. I still think you know. I think he's got. I think he's got something. You know, and I don't remember. Gino, you know, then again, Geno Smith never took a team to the playoffs and won a playoff game. Of course, I don't think he was ever given a team that was was that good. But and the, and the Browns were good when he did that. They had a good roster, mm-hmm. you know, and they had a decent coach. They put it all together, and I think a lot of that exists here in Tampa Bay. And again, my biggest worry is what the head coach. That's still my biggest worry is our head coach, and the coaching and the coaching in general. Is it going to be up to snuff? They've got to, they've got to do a hell of a lot better job than they did last year, no question about that. Um, all right, the the Panthers last night. Um, Matthew Kachuk scores twice with four and once with four point nine seconds left. The game winner, three game winners in the four. That's pretty good. Nobody's done that since Mike Bossy in mm. the seventies, I think. So that's I mean. Bringing Matthew Kachuk here was literally a godsend for them. He has changed the entire mindset of that team. They look determined. They are hard to play against, and they score, and they just suffocate you. You know, a lot like Vegas plays, you know, a very similar way Vegas plays. Uh, so I think that might be a really good Stanley Cup matchup. Yeah, but, we'll see. but also look at a guy in net right now who's playing out of his mind. Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky. Yeah. Like, I don't think Carolina played that bad. They didn't. In, this, in fact, I won't even say that bad. They didn't play bad in this Every series. game was up for grabs. Every game was up for grabs. Carolina, I thought, gave everything they had towards Bobrovsky. But he was just on a heater. It wasn't a sweep. But it was a sweep. <laughs> I, I, in some ways, I agree with what we're going to hear from Rod Brendamore. I think this is fair. See if you agree, but it's sour well, grapes. You know, that, that's the unfortunate part of this is he's going to look back and everyone's going to say you got swept. And that's not what happened. I watched the game. I'm there. I'm cutting the game. We're we're in the game. That that we didn't get, we didn't lose four games. We we got beat, but it's you know Sounds we were right so there. Bad. And this could have went the other way, and this could have been four games the other way. Right. And tonight. You know, the way it ended is tough. Getting a penalty like that, that's tough. You know, especially what was let go. And then you go, oh, that's, that's going to that's gonna sting. But not to take anything away from the other team because they played hard. But, um, you know, I think we take, took a huge steps this year. Um, you know, coming this far, like I said, with what we were missing is pretty, pretty impressive. I can't argue with anything he said. I, 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 I agree with everything he said. But uh, boy, it sounds like sour grapes. It, it does sound like sour grapes. But, <laughs> but he's right. He, he's right. Yeah, he's not wrong necessarily. He's right. But I won't say he's right. But he's not wrong. That can make any sense. I don't know. But what's tough about Carolina is they since they won the Stanley Cup in '06. This was the craziest thing is they've been to three conference finals and they're 0 and 12. They have been swept in three wow, straight right. conference finals: 09, 19, and now 2023. That's weird. They just can't win a game in the conference finals. So that's a tough pill to swallow. And then to score a goal finally to tie things up with three minutes left last night, and you, you think, like, okay, finally. Like, we got something going our way. And a penalty with 57 seconds left. It was and, a penalty. Well, here's my problem. But he's right. They let stuff like that go all night. Here's my problem. And I hate to go back to a month ago during Toronto and Tampa Bay. Why are we not calling penalties? We didn't want to call penalties late in the game, no. under a minute left that's right. on Brandon, uh, the Brandon Hagel play, right? Yeah. That was very obvious. Obvious. That was a penalty all day, every day. Yep. We didn't want to call it there. But in this game, 
Which this is a, even more of a bigger magnitude because yeah. this is the, the it's Eastern, a closeout. Game. This is a closeout game in the Eastern Conference Final. But now it's acceptable for us to call a penalty after all the things we've we've let go throughout the game. Make it make sense, please. There's no consistency to it. There's no consistency to it. Um, it doesn't make sense. Like I actually like. It's a big problem with hockey. Like I actually felt for Carolina last night. It's, it's a like, big problem it's, with hockey. It's like here's now. I mean, what's the line there of of we don't want to impact the game, but if we don't call it, we're not impacting the game. Like I'm not saying it's an easy job to be out there as an official, and the game's going very no, fast, and it's it, it's, some of it it's almost a feel thing at the moment. But there's just gotta be a better way. There's gotta be a better way. And if you're Florida, though, I mean. John Cooper was on the, this panel for a couple of these games on TNT, and he's great, by the way. I, I, did, I haven't seen any of it. I, I apologize for that. I he was really good, and he, he kind of echoes the same things he says to like the media here. It's like, we don't win on accident. Like It's all about getting the breaks in the playoffs and things going your right way, and then you've got to take advantage of them. Yep. And Florida, to their credit, has gotten all the breaks this postseason. They've gotten all these, these fortunes that go in their direction, and then they take advantage of it. They get the penalty last night, and they were like, you know what? We're not playing another overtime game. Nope. We're, finishing, right here. we're finishing this thing. And Matthew Kachuk was like, you know what? F this. I'm going right to the middle. I'm gonna... And how about in that moment? Your time's ticking off the clock. It's five seconds left. The patience. The patience well, he, he waited, showed in that moment. He waited long enough for Bennett to trap uh, the stick of the goalie. Um, and then once the, the stick was trapped, nah. he shot the ball. There was nothing there. Oh, my God. There was, there was nothing there. Come on. I know Lundquist, the, the goalie, who's the resident goalie on the panel, was like, was like he had him where he couldn't move side to he side. He couldn't move side <laughs> to side. I ain't buying it. But, again, you know, how many times did we see – Toronto or somebody do that get dirty in front of uh, of um, Vassy, and and that's what you got to do. Gotta, that's what the Panthers are doing so well. They're gonna make they're gonna make the officials make the call in that situation. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna put it in the back of the net. I don't care how we do it. We're gonna interfere with the goalie. We're gonna knock people over. Yeah. And you can tell me if it's good or not. If not, <laughs> we'll do it again. Yeah. And that's the mentality you got to have in the playoffs. Knock the goalie around. If you get called for it, so what? Go do it again. Go do it again. Keep putting it in the back of the net until they, yeah. they don't call it. Yeah, and, and that dude is just a I, – I said this yesterday – or one of the days I did the show without you when I was talking about this game or this series. I know McDavid's going to win the MVP and all that, and that's great, but it's hard to argue that anybody is more valuable oh, to their team than, than Matt Kachuk. Well, uh, he'll win the Consmite. <clears throat> so, he'll win the Consmite more important they finish the, it off. Which is probably more important than the league MVP. It is. Part. I just, I've never seen a player, yeah. and I'd have to go back in history, obviously, because I'm sure there's an example. I've never seen an acquisition have this much of an impact and change the way a team plays and their mentality and their grit than this one. You, we say this all the time. You've got to get uncomfortable if you want to win, a, if you want to win any sort of championship. You've got to be uncomfortable, and you've got to take a risk. How big of it was a risk for Florida to trade in a 120-point player on top of that, your best defensive defenseman in Mackenzie Weger, we forget that because Ekblad steals the show. I thought Weger was a better defensive defender to trade both of those guys for one player, just one singular player. Mm-hmm. How big of a risk was that? Huge. How big of it was a risk? Oh, everybody, and everybody said they gave up too much. And how about last year when Quinville, the whole thing happened with them, and Burnett comes in, President's Trophy, right? And then they go home in the second round. Logic would tell you, okay, obviously we have to hand the job to, to Andrew Burnett. Right. No. They didn't do that. Hmm. We're going to go take a risk, and we're going to get Paul Maurice, a guy who's been there, done that in this league Talk for a about long a time. Retread. Yeah, retread of retreads, right? Everybody probably looked at that and went, "Really, Paul Maurice? Yeah, 
Well, guess what? They took swings, and when you take big swings, when they pay off, they pay off big. And that's why the Florida Panthers are in the Stanley Cup final. And I got to tell you, I understand that we're so tribalistic here with the rivalries, and I get it. I can't help but not root for that team. I can't either. I can't help but not root for that team. I don't know why, because we hate them. But... We, I hate Toronto more. Well, because they did our dirty work. They took out Boston and yeah, Toronto, and yeah. I hate those. I hate those teams infinitely more than True. I hate Florida. Maybe that's it. And they're, you know, they're. And you know what? They're. I, I, we like sticking it to the teams up north. Yeah, we do. <clears throat> so and when you know, because they're we're we're doing more down here than you guys have done in fifty years in Toronto in Montreal. Look at what we're about in to have. Florida. For, look at what Florida's we're look at what we're team. about to have in a Stanley Cup final. Vegas, Vegas, and Florida, and in Toronto and Montreal. Haven't done squat. No Canadian Cup since 1993. <sighs> they got to be just livid when they watch this. Yeah, because they those freaks can't help but watch the the final, you know, and they and judge all their their stupid decisions based on what Vegas and Florida have done, and what the hell are you know? Yeah, and and in this series in particular, and again, yes, I'm writing off Dallas. They're done. Uh, in this series in particular, yeah, Jamie Ben two games. Yeah, two games. He's done. <sighs> Vegas and Florida. Awful. I hate. I'm. I'm not a Vegas guy. I can't stand that franchise. I just don't. It never. It never rubbed me the. It never. It rubbed me the wrong way. How they were. And this is unfair to them. Maybe that they were an expansion franchise, and in the first year, yeah, they got all the way to the final. I know a lot of fans. That didn't sit well with a lot of fans, yeah. including I. Yeah. I hated how they had this mentality of like they just traded every prospect away, and like they didn't want to build a team. They just kind of threw money at problems and acquired big name talent. And it keeps working out for them. Maybe that's yeah. why I'm bothered by it. Yeah. But the whole show they do in Vegas, like, it's nauseating, all of that. So I'm, I am, for the next two weeks here, I am all in on the Florida Panthers and in the state of Florida capturing another Stanley Cup. I kind you know, I kind of like Marcia so, you know. I kind of like a little bit of what they do. Well, you know what? Florida's got Verhage, and I like Verhage more than I do Marcia so. Yeah, yeah. Verhage won a cup with the Lightning. Yeah, true. True. All right. Well, well you know, I, my heart will tell me when I start watching the game. My heart will tell me I've where to go. I've made up my mind. Uh, so I'll, 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 I'll defer to that. But, you know, tip of the cap to, uh, to Florida. And you can't tell me that the Lightning aren't better than this, this Florida <laughs> Panthers team. I think if we'd have played them, if we beat Toronto, I think we're going to another final. I don't think, I don't think Florida. I, I don't, you know what? T- it's a tough statement to make. They would have tested us. They would have tested us like our fortitude. Um, we'd had to find a, an extra gear, which I just don't think the team had anymore. I, I, I would actually, that's what I'm the saying. The tank was empty. I would push back on it. The way I've seen Florida play yeah. in this series, and how physical they are. I mean, Kachuk's flying around, throwing his weight around, doing all those things. But even yeah. Sam, did you see the hit that Sam Bennett mm. put on Jacob Slavin last night? Mm-hmm. As a clean hit. As good of a clean hit as I think I've ever seen in Vegas is doing an NHL same thing. game. Vegas, Vegas do the same is just thing. Beating up Dallas. I mean, the bottom six. It's the difference in the bottom six. The grinders of these other teams that I'm watching. It's a big difference in the grinders you see that the Lightning have. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think actually it would have been it would have been what you think. So you, you think you think that's a good point, and you think vis-a-vis the Lightning now will go out, and that fourth line is not going to be old and slow. It's probably going to be. Maybe guys that don't score a lot, but they they're big. They they can skate and they hammer you. Yeah, and some you need you need a shit disturber. Yeah, they have some shit disturbers. I'm not not going to say that Maroon and Perry aren't because they are. Mm-hmm. But you need some like like Lomberg, for example, for Florida, who scored last night. That guy, 
you probably hate that guy if you're playing against him. Yes. I know I did every yes. time we had to play him in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. But if he's on your team, that's who you want. But he's got some energy to him. He can skate, right? Yeah. He yeah. can go around. I think Mikey Asamont maybe is kind of that yeah. that mold that you're looking for there. You, you'd want uh, you would want three more Mikey Asamonts, but with thirty, forty more pounds. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, Tanner Janelle. Tanner Janelle. That's uh, give me three more of give those. Me, guys. Give me three more of those guys. Yeah, and three more of those guys. I think that's what they need. Yeah, because top end talent, even though they faded in that series, we can't pay. Top end talent is there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we the, the Lightning have that. Now you need three guys that make a million dollars. You know, two million dollars that can skate and just knock the crap out of you, just bully you. Yeah. You know, not I mean, not goons, but you know, guys that can skate, that can play, but not, just are I'm not. I'm not asking. Go- not elite goal scorers. I'm not asking for Ryan Reeves. No, okay, just I'm not putting that out. Guys there. that put it in with their thigh. Those guys. They stand in front of the net and just like, hit me. Oh, I'll put, I'm not getting, you know. But just like, but they can skate and they can. When that line comes on, the other team goes. Oh, yeah. Shit. You just that's what I've learned. You you yeah. have you have to have yeah. a team that can skate. Yeah. You cannot be slow and plotting and just taking up kind of space on the ice, which is yeah. what I thought the Lightning's bottom six did in that series. Yeah, no, I would agree. There's there was a lot of that going on. All right, we'll take our final break. Uh, I want to come back and uh, talk about some high school baseball again. Um, we got a. Uh, basketball game tonight are the Celtics which Celtic team is going to show up my friend <laughs> the one with the nuts or without the nuts <laughs> are we going with nuts or out nuts what candy bar is that uh, we, <laughs> we put it out here don't we alright quick break uh, back in three stay with us Law Group, have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms, and let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by, never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. Ladies and gentlemen, are you looking to lose weight or just lean up for bathing suit season where there are so many diets and chiropractors and weight loss clinics out there? You don't know where to start, right? We'll start at Bay Area Modern Medical Center. Chris Lugo, PA, and his professional staff will devise a personal plan for you that gets results and will help you keep the weight off. Everybody metabolizes food and supplements differently. Many of these other approaches are designed for the masses. So how's that going to work for you specifically? It's not. Chris will spend one-on-one time with you to find out what works best for you so the weight comes off safely without the use of harmful drugs and side effects. Call 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. 
Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the Internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Pure, pure sports. JP is back on. Welcome back. Fan Stream Sports. All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show, brought to you by the great folks at American Mortgage Services. My man Clayton over there and Scott Fitzgerald. Scott is the best in the business. You know, I know nobody's out there, you know, wanting to get a mortgage now with the interest rates where they are, but some of you have to, right? Uh, it's still, you know, prices are going up, so if you want to buy a home, you better buy it now, right? Um, so there's, there's a lot of folks that, that need to buy a home. So if you need to buy a home or you want to refinance, you know, money – uh, is, is not as cheap as it was, but it's still cheaper than your credit cards, too. So um, there's a lot of different things you can do in the marketplace, and there's a lot of different programs out there. So so call Scott, email him, scott at amstampa.com. Just have a conversation with him. It's a free conversation. Say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about buying a house. Interest rates are tough, but we need to get a bigger house. We're moving over here. You know, is there any way we can, you know, kind of do a, a variable variable rate or something? They've got tons of different programs that are specific to what's going on in your life. So you're never going to know what you can do, what the options are, until you really have a conversation with somebody that knows what's in the market is and what they can do for you. So I have that conversation with Scott. He'll do it for free. Uh, no problem. Scott at amstampa.com. Scott at amstampa.com. Um, and tell him JP sent you, and you'll you'll get some great information. He's been doing this for 30 years. He's an investor um, uh, with different properties. So if you're a property investor and you're trying to find a way to make those numbers work, he can help you with that as well. So Scott at AMSTampa.com. All right, uh, congratulations to Sickles, who won their first uh, Class 6A state championship in baseball yesterday. They had a two-run lead. Uh, and their their big man, Caden McDonald, just hit a leadoff double, and then the rains came, and they had to wait through two hours of rain delay, and their closer, Luke Ficker, F-I-K-A-R, got the last six outs, and Sickles wins the game 4-2, to two, and they finished the season with a 30-2 and two record, including 22 straight at the end. So congrats, congrats to Sickles. Calvary Christian won a state title. Plant uh, got beat last night by Parkland. Um, Stoneman Douglas, who won their third straight title. They've won like 51 games in a row. They got shut down by Jaden Dubanowitz, who was a University of Florida recruit, maybe a number one pick. So tough, uh, tough final for Plant, but they got to the championship game, so hats off to them as well. I might be – we've talked about uh, – oh, Jesuit, I think, is going to play, or did they already play? Uh, I'll, I'll find out about that one. So, anyway. Um, also, congrats to the, the Florida Gators last night in a hell of a game against Alabama in the SEC tournament. I don't know if you saw what happened here. I did here. not. <clears throat> Back and forth game, and in the 11th inning, Florida hits a three-run home run. They score four runs in the 11th inning, 
including a walk-off three-run home run to beat Alabama and advance in the tournament. It is the first time in SEC tournament history that a team has overcome a three-run deficit extra innings to win. Wow. And it was absolutely electric there. So they were down three and then came back and hit a three-run homer? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Oh, that sucks for Bama. (laughs) So sad. Who hit the uh, the walk-off? His name is uh, Bradley... Uh, his uh, forgive me, but his last name was really hard to pronounce. Okay. So I actually planned like not to say it when I looked it up. <laughs> but then I asked you like a jerk. And then you asked me, and uh-huh. so now I'm gonna just go back and look at his name again and just try butcher to it. try to not butcher it. Go uh, ahead, butcher it. Bradley uh, Riopel. It's R I O P E L L E. Yeah, it could be that or Riopel. Is it Ro- like Riopel? Him? I don't Who know. Who knows? But uh, well, congrats. I don't I've never I don't know him, but uh, congratulations to them and the Florida Gators who will now move into the regionals yep. as a top seed and probably host a regional. Yep. And then again, reminder today, Clearwater, USF and UCF playing in the AAC tournament. OK, you want to hear uh, the my big rumor of the day? Oh, Lord, of rumor. Well, you know, comes from very, very informed. I'm just going to have fun with this. I'm just going to have fun with it. All right. I'm going to have fun with it. So, as many of you know, I'm very well connected in the Florida State world. I've been around the Seminoles for a long time. I, got a lot of, I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people, high places. I know a lot of people. So, just, you know, having some conversations yesterday with some people. And one of the people who I know is very much in the know says to me, Hey, hey, I got some information. Give me, how long do you think Florida State's going to be in the ACC? And I said, eh, two years. He's like, How'd you know? I'm like, Eh, it's a guess. Educated guess. He goes, yep, two years. Two years in the, in the uh, ACC, and then they're gone. And then I said, and he, I said well, where are we going? He goes, uh, to be determined. So we had this discussion before the show, and I think it's a good discussion. We'll, we'll definitely bust into it uh, tomorrow a little bit more. I think, where everybody hasn't penciled into the SEC, I don't see how the SEC grows their revenue with Clemson and Florida State. Because they don't bring new television markets, because Florida's are, you're already on every cable system in Florida because of the Gators, right? So Florida State, you don't bring new television markets. Tallahassee is not a big television market. They're, the Seminoles are a great brand, but you've got lots of great brands in the SEC. Clemson, same thing with South Carolina. You're not bringing any more television markets to the table, because South Carolina already brings that, and Georgia and all that. And Clemson's a great brand, but again, they've got lots of great brands. Now, you look at the Big Ten, does Florida bring a Florida market into the Big Ten? Yes, it does. Does Florida State? Yes, it does. Does Clemson bring um, South Carolina, Georgia, that area into the Big Ten? Yes, it does. So they can make a case that they're bringing more and different TV markets into their bigger conference, therefore their, their, your media rights are going to be worth more. There's, a, there's an empirical formula that you can now use to say the Big Ten, we were in, because this is how you make money. They look at how many markets you're in, what is your television viewership, how many, you know, this is simplistic as can be here, folks. How many eyeballs are you going to bring? And those, those eyeballs and those, those cable subscriptions are worth X amount of dollars. Therefore, we can charge more for our media rights. Therefore, bringing in these schools are going to generate us more money. So we, when we absorb these schools, the schools that are already here are still going to get as big a share, if not more, of money. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if you're, you know, just let's just say if you're Alabama 
and you're currently getting 75 to $80 million a year, I think that's what it is, maybe more than that, in television, in, in conference revenue, your conference share is $80 million. If you bring Clemson and Florida State in, they're not, they're not bringing your overall media rights deal up. ESPN's not going to pay more for that because you're not bringing in more. Yeah. They say, well, what are you bringing in, another TV market? No, you're not. You already got that in Florida. So and then so what I just explained. So my like I where I'm sitting, the money tells me FSU would go into the Big Ten. And are you okay with that? I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Well, you have as long to, as we still have our have rivalry to, with Florida, so we still play Florida, and we mix in some non-conference happen, games. Though. I know, I know. That game, I, I don't want that game to go away. That's no. a, that's a snag. It's more than a snag. Look how many rivalries are just being blown up right now because of expansion. We're not. We're not getting. But I still. I, I'm not. I don't want to. If you're going to tell me that we're not going to play Florida anymore, not we're not going to play Miami anymore. I, I, how is that? How how does anybody want that? I don't want that. So if you're telling me, but see, I don't. But it's not up to Florida State in this. In this, it's up to the SEC. Yeah, and is the argument, by the way, the same? What you're saying for a Clemson because. The SEC already has the footprint with South Carolina, and that's good enough to cover that base. And that's where Miami, you could argue, brings some value okay. to the SEC. <laughs> and because that, it brings a, a, tele, a large television market that they don't have. Okay, yeah, and so that's why I brought this up to you before the show, because Paul Feinbaum said this yesterday on his show. And when you first read the headline, you first do it, you digest it, you go, what the hell is he talking about? How does Florida State and Clemson have no value and Miami does? Now, the point that you just made, I get it. I wanted to ask you the question, though, because, again, a lot of this stuff I'm still trying to figure out and learn all this. So I, I came across this graph that people were, like, spreading yesterday and some, some journals were spreading. And this is just, like, overall revenue without conference distributions, right? First of all, I asked the question, what role does that play in overall revenue to the SEC? Because you had mentioned the whole, the whole thing with – it brings none. None. No. So the information then basically – as far as I know, your ticket sales. So this revenue is before your this conference is, shares. Yeah, so this, this, this takes in sponsorship. I'll bring it out. It, it brings up corporate sponsorship, advertising, licensing, institutional report, ticket sales, contributions, and then other revenue. Right. And by that by that model, FSU would slot in third in the SEC, behind Texas A and M and Georgia. Okay. Is where they would slot in. Okay. Right. But. This would be of no value. That's what I'm trying to say. Like because of this number, that's a big number, and it put them third. You're telling me that even though it really doesn't have any value on the SEC. Yeah, because they don't pull that money. Okay. As far as I know, they don't pull that money. That money goes directly to your university, and then you get you know your conference. You what you're contributing to the conference is your media rights. None of that stuff you just mentioned is media rights. So okay. Those and. Except maybe local, you know, local radio deals, local TV deals, not significant. So, but your media rights, the majority of your media rights, like football games, basketball games, the thing that people are going to watch in large numbers, okay, that's what you're giving away to get back the conference share. All the rest of that stuff is just, you know, you're running, you know, those are individual deals. So I think there may be a small portion of it, but it's negligible in terms of what you're bringing to the table. And, and overall revenue, as far as I know. It, I'm, that may be wrong, but that's how I understand it. And I think that's why they broke it out separately. So, yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, what's the total revenue FSU is bringing in? I think the ACC share is about $30 million short of what the Big Ten and the, and the SEC are getting. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, Florida State's local revenue, they're, they're, as you said, is third. So when you look at overall revenue, they can still compete much better than, let's say, Wake Forest yeah. or, or some others. But it is interesting because, like, I think Michael Offer had said this. I think this might have been a quote very recently, actually, where he's like, look at, like, UCF, for example, is going to make $30 million more than us annually now, starting with this Big 12 media rights deal. Mm-hmm. And that does not sit right with us, right. obviously. Right. So I know that the fee to get out of the ACC for Florida State, Clemson, Miami, the whole seven, whatever, it's over $100 million, if I'm not mistaken. It's not doable. It's that's not, not how they're going to get out. That's not how they're going to get out. And I guess that's the big, that's the million-dollar question here is what is the – They need another team. They need a magnificent eight. Oh, they need an eighth. They need an eight. They need an eighth team to go with them. Why is that? Because they, what, have 14 teams? Right in the ACC, I think yeah, yeah, they need a majority. Right now they get seven. So I, I think there's there's some legal. So if they have majority, of there's the conference, some legal ramification. They can, they can get out of it then. Is what you're saying? There's a way. To, there's a to, legal loophole there. to go around it. Yeah, there's a loophole there. Gotcha. And there's another loophole that says if you can basically, and it's a hard it's a hard uh, threshold to get to. But as is explained to me, you have to prove that you are being uh, unrealistically restricted in your ability to, you know, like Florida State is just driving everything in this conference. And this, this original agreement, you know, it was not meant to restrict them in this way. 